volunteer who I need a volunteer to read. <coughs> Thank you, Tim. I saw your hand go up first. Would you mind reading uh, Matthew 1, 1 through 6? No. Matthew 1, 1 through 6. And uh, I, I've, I've told many people this uh, little pastor's secret, if you will, okay? Um, when you're reading a bunch of names, just read it with gusto. <laughs> and nobody will know if you know or do not know what the actual um, pronunciation is. Okay? So, yeah, this is Matthew 1, 1, 1 through 6. 1 through 6. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Abinadab. Abinadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Thank you. Now, the, uh, the genealogy found in Matthew chapter 1 is... Uh, goes back to Abraham. So we're talking, you know, 16 to 1800 years of, of who begat who in the line of Jesus. And in that genealogy, there's only five women recorded. Five out of, you know, like I said, between 16 and 1800 years worth. And so these, these women, I believe, are of major importance. These are, these are women that, um, and, and one of those is Mary, the mother of Jesus. So these other, these other ladies did something that God thought so incredible that they are listed mm-hmm. in the genealogy there in Matthew. And it's not just because, even, even if they did do something awesome, it could have just been listed by the, the man, like the rest of them, right? But, but God didn't do that. You know, Matthew, when he was writing this, he didn't do that. He wanted to make sure these ladies were pointed out because they had they did something wonderful for for God and for um, His seed coming into the earth. So I I believe what we're going to see is um, they. I, I believe one of the things that really connects them is they they were on purpose for bringing. The promised seed into the world. Okay, they 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 took that responsibility, if you will, and um, that's I think one of the things that really connects all of, all of these ladies. And they all have varied pasts, which we're gonna uh, we're going to see. Um, but that's something that the Lord really really values is that um, the whole Old Testament is is God saying, okay, how am I going to get Jesus into the world? If you want to summarize the Old Testament, is how am I going to get Jesus into the world from Adam on, right? It's promised in Adam, and it's okay. Well, I'm going to call Abraham. Okay. Well, I'm going to I'm going to 
make that, you know, take one step further after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, got the family, got the 12 tribes. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it down to Judah. I'm going to bring it down to David, right? So how am I going to get my seed into the world? And these women were on point to do so and overcame odds. So um, we're going we're gonna to look at that. I want to look at their lives for, for Advent. And uh, I believe there's some special things um, for each one of us uh, that we can, we can see in their lives. So out of, out of Genesis 38, you know, I think as we uh, are in the holiday season, um, I know a lot of people, I'm sure, got together with family and friends over Thanksgiving. And, um, you know, one thing about families that I think we all face at, at some point is there are some, um, shall, shall we say, family dynamics <laughs> that often kind, oftentimes can be straining. Maybe there's somebody that you don't talk to or they don't talk to you. Or there is a relationship in, in your family that, um, you know, that it's strained because they're either not at the family gathering or maybe because they are at the family <laughs> gathering. <laughs> right? And I think we all can relate to family members, whether that is immediate family or distant family, that... There's just some dynamics there that make family relationships oftentimes difficult. But I don't think anyone can compare to this. Listen to, listen to Judah and Tamar. It came about at that time, this is, I'm starting in verse 1 of chapter 38 of Genesis. It came about after that time that Judah departed from his brothers and visited a certain Adullamite whose name was Hira. Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua, and he took her and went into her. So she conceived and bore a son and named him Ur. Then she conceived again and bore a son and named him Onan. She bore still another son and named him Shelah, and it was at uh, Hezeb that she bore him. Now Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn... You can you can say he he erred, all right. Wow. <laughs> Judah's firstborn was evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord took his life. Then Judah said to Onan, uh, "Go into your brother's wife and perform your duty as a brother-in-law to her, and raise up offspring for your brother." Let me do, let me just pause right there. Let me explain explain this a little bit before we go on. Okay, there was there was a a custom. And it predates the law of, of Moses, okay, called um, the Leverite. Let me just write that on the board. Leverite and A-G-E. Marriage. Leverite marriage law. Okay. All right, Levi. Does anybody know what this is? Okay, it uh, it is it is not how Levites get married. <laughs> All right, Levite. By the, by the way, Le- Levere is what? Ooh, I put you on the spot. And you missed. I'm gonna I'm gonna take your certificate back. 
Levir, L-E-V-I-R. Levir is um, husband's brother. Husband's brother in Latin. All right? Husband's brother. So the Leverite marriage custom was, was this. If you have a, uh, a son who does, and is, is uh, you, got a, you got a man who gets married, right? He does not have any kids by his wife, and then he dies. It is the, uh, it was the duty of the second son to then have kids by the wife of the, the first son so that that, son's, um, that son would not get disinherited. So the, 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 first, the first son by those two, by number, son number two and wife number one, would be son number one's kid. Does that make sense? All right, so uh, let's, say I, let's say I had a brother. I don't. Okay, but let's say I had a brother... All right, and Ruth and I got married, and we didn't have any kids. All right, and something happened to me; I died, and um, it would be incumbent on my brother then to marry Ruth and to have have kids by her, so that I could end up with kids for inheritance. And we all go, that is really, really <laughs> weird. Okay, but for them, for in those days, it was not weird. This was a way to help populate the world and to make sure that inheritance kept on going and it was passed from one generation to the next. Okay? So the, the Leverite marriage custom, that's what, you, that's what you're seeing here because you've got um, Onan is, is or I'm sorry, Er was evil and the Lord took his life. So Judah said to Onan, this is verse 8, go into your brother's wife and perform your duty as a brother-in-law to her and raise up offspring for your brother. Onan knew that the offspring would not be his, so when he went into his brother's wife, he wasted his seed on the ground in order not to give offspring to his brother. And by the way, the, the, um, the Hebrew there is, is a, it's like a continuous. It wasn't just a one-time event. It was in his heart and to do this over and over that he, would, he was not going to um, give, he, he was not going to give offspring to his, his, brother's, to, uh, to his brother's wife. For his brother, okay. So it was evilness in his heart. Um, so, but what he did, verse ten, what he did was displeasing in the sight of the Lord. So he took his life. God took his life also. So that's you know, two out of three here. Not not very good odds. And Judah said to his daughter-in-law Tamar, "Remain a widow in your father's house until my son Sheila, the youngest, grows up." For he thought, "I'm afraid that he too may die like his brothers." So, you know, you see, as you see, he's kind of blaming Tamar here, right? And which, you, let's face it, you might, something's wrong here. She's, God, every, everybody she's with, God takes. I'm afraid he too might die like his brother, so Tamar went and lived in her father's house. Now, after a considerable time, she was, she was daughter, the wife of Judah, died. Okay, so this is um, Judah's wife. And when the time of mourning was ended, Judah went up to his sheep shears, at Timnah, he and his friend Hira the Adulamite. It was told to Tamar, Behold, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep. So she removed her widow's garments 
and covered herself with a veil, and wrapped herself, and sat in the gateway of Enaim, which is on the road to Timnah. For she saw that Shelah had grown up. Shelah, remember, is the youngest son of Judah. Shelah had grown up, and she had not been given to him as a wife. So, um, real quick, uh, Tamar took off her widows. You know, he's probably had uh, you know some sort of uh, you know black veil, whatever you know that they wore to to signify that they were a widow, and they were. Um, and but she put since she put on a veil. This is uh, the the cus. It, it was not just a harlot, but it was a temple prostitute, is what she dressed up as. Because in those days, a lot of the, the temples um, would have uh, prostitutes, both male and female, that uh, how you would go and worship that certain god was to engage in relations with the prostitute. So she, she dressed up as not just, not just a, a prostitute, but a temple prostitute. A religious prostitute. Um, <clears throat> okay, she removed her widow's garments, covered herself with a veil, and wrapped herself, and sat in the gateway of a name, which is on the road to Timnah. For she uh, saw that Sheila had grown up, and she had not been given to him as a wife. When Judah saw her, he thought he, uh, she was a harlot, for she had covered her face. So, she, so he turned aside to her by the road and said, Here now, let me come in to you. For he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. And she said, What will you give me that you may come into me? He said, Therefore, I will send you a young goat from the flock. She said, Moreover, Will you give a pledge until you send it? He said, What, what pledge shall I give you? And she said, Your seal and your cord and your staff that's in your hand. Which, by the way, were uh, probably quite significant to Judah. You know the uh, the seal. They they found many many of these. They were they were cylindrical and carved. So what they would be able to do is take this seal and then roll it over you know some you know wax or clay or, or whatever, and it would basically uh, be a sign of who it was. All right, and it often like I said was cylindrical uh, with uh, a hole through it so that it could be worn. And then the same thing with the staff. Um, we we often think of a you know a walking stick. All right. A lot of times, these staffs were not just you know a stick you picked up in the middle of the woods and it was helping you down the trail. It it was actually carved. It was significant. This would be something that Judah would people would recognize and say, "Oh, that that's Judah's staff." Okay. So both of these objects are you know were were things that were symbols of Judah. Okay. They would be significant. Um. She said, she said, your seal and your cord and your staff that's in your hand. So she, he gave him and went into her, and she conceived by him. And she arose and departed and removed her veil and, and put her widows on her widow's garments. When Judah sent the young goat by his friend the Adulamite to receive the pledge from the woman's hand, he did not find her. He asked the men of her place, saying, Where's the temple prostitute who was by the road in a name? But they said, There's been no temple prostitute here. So he returned to Judah and said, I didn't find her. And furthermore, the men of the place said, there's been no temple prostitute here. Then Judah said, let her keep them, the, the, the cord, the, um, uh, the seal, and the staff. Otherwise, we'll become a laughingstock. After all, I sent this young goat, but you didn't find her. Now it was about three months later that Judah was informed, your daughter-in-law Tamar has played the harlot, and behold, 
She is also with child by harlotry. Then Judas said, Bring her out and let her be burned. It was while she was being brought out that she sent to her father-in-law, saying, I am with child by the man to whom these belong. And she said, Please examine and see whose signet ring and cord and staff are these. Judah recognized them and said, She is more righteous than I, inasmuch as I did not give her, uh, give her to my son Shelah. And he did not have relations with her. That is, Judah did not have relations with her again. It came about at that time she was giving birth, that behold, there were twins in her womb. Moreover, it took place while she was giving birth. One put out a hand, and the midwife took and tied a scarlet thread on his hand, saying, This one's come out first. But it came out as he drew his hand back, that behold, his brother came out. And she said, What a breach you have made for yourself. So he was named Perez, which means breach. Afterward, his brother came out, um, who had the scarlet thread on his hand, and he was, uh, and he was called, named Zerah. So Perez and Zerah, uh, and they end up being, um, Perez ends up being in the line of Jesus through this really crazy family relationship where a woman is given to one son and then the other son and then because she didn't have kids by the third son she had kids by the father now i don't i'm i'm hoping nobody's family relationships in here are that bizarre <laughs> but when you when we when we look at at jesus and and his um genealogy these these ladies that are in here, and, and Tamar is no exception. They are they have they did something wonderful. And what, what she what Tamar did was she held up righteousness over her family relations. I'm gonna do the righteous thing despite the cost in my family relations. Now, let me, let me just explain just a little bit more. I, I did, I explained as we went through, but um, this, this section here, chapter 38, is, um, it's, it's really stuck in here out of nowhere. If you're reading Genesis, you, you start going along, you start into the story of Joseph, and you're like, okay, Joseph gets thrown in the pit, he's, um, you know, getting sold into slavery, and then you're like, where did Judah and Tamar come from? <laughs> right? And then it's just right back into Joseph. Like, uh, whoever edited this was a, was a mess. You know, they were, they were about so long in their, you know, in their um, chariot one day, and then they'd say, oh, it drew, drew the line in the wrong place. It couldn't have been right. No, God, God is a lot better at, at doing this Bible stuff than we are, and than men are. Right? This is, this is put here, I believe, for a specific reason. Um, a couple of different, a couple of different things. I, I believe why this is here. Number one, um, they're about to take all of the the people of Israel, Judah's kids, his whole family, to Egypt because of the famine. This had to show how Judah got there with his kids. All right. So um, Tamar was a, um, or Judah's wife, and more than likely Tamar also. They were they were Canaanites. They were not of the family of Israel. They were not of Abraham's family. These are, are women that were outside of the clan. Okay? And we know even from the early times, you know, Abraham wanted a, a son from inside the clan. 
right? Isaac gets somebody from inside the clan. But Judah goes out and gets somebody from the Canaanites. And this is going to show that um, this is how Judah and his, his kids got to Egypt. He didn't get somebody from Egypt like Joseph did. Joseph was given a wife um, in Egypt. Um, he, Judah got somebody from the Canaanites. Now, who, who, was, um, okay, who was Judah and Joseph's dad? Jacob, right? Renamed Israel. Okay, you get the 12 tribes. Who was, who was his favorite? Joseph. Where'd he go? I was going to say, you should get this one. All right. Um, Joseph, was, Joseph was his favorite. Okay, Joseph, even though Joseph was not the firstborn, uh, who, who's the one who got the double blessing? Joseph. Right? By the way, you, have we talked about double blessings in here? Okay. This is this is how the um, this is how the inheritance worked. Um, okay. You, you hear about a double portion or double blessing, you know, like Elijah. Elijah said, I want a double blessing of everything uh, that you've got. And uh, we think that's twice as much. Sort of. Um, so how it worked was an inheritance. Okay, I've got, I got four kids. Boom, 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 right? All right. I, do not, I, I, I don't get more stuff so I can give it away. I have a certain amount. All right? But Karis is the firstborn. So I say, all right, Karis, because you're the firstborn, you will get a double portion. So what do I do? Instead of having, dividing it into four, I divide it into five. I give two portions to Karis. One portion to Kalen, one portion to Kyria, and one portion to Kyla. Right? So that's the, that's the double blessing. Hmm. All right? So two portions of everything that dad owns goes to the firstborn. It didn't happen with Joseph. I mean, it, it did happen with Joseph. Joseph wasn't the firstborn. But he got the double blessing. Because what happens is, is Joseph's kids, how many kids did Joseph have? Two. Two? Thank you. And do and, you remember their names? Manasseh and Ephraim. Now, which one was first? Remember this? Uh huh. So Manasseh was the oldest, but Ephraim is the one that's always listed first because when, when Jacob goes to bless them, he crossed his hands. And he says, Ephraim is actually going to be um, more than Manasseh. And then Jacob says, I am going to count these as my sons. Right? So Joseph got a double blessing because um, Jacob counted those as his sons. And it was the youngest that was over the oldest. Now what happened with Judah? Remember? How many sons? Two. All right. We had one that came out first. Right? With a hand. Scarlet thread. Right? But then the other one comes out. His name Perez. And he is, he is the one that the lineage comes through. Right? Do we just read that? Mm-hmm. Okay. But you see, what, what, we're, what, what God is doing is setting up, Joseph was the one who got the blessing from his dad, but Judah is the one who ultimately is going to have the Messiah come. 
Judah is the one who's going to have the lineage of the king. Judah is the one that ultimately Jesus is going to come in in the picture from Judah. So God puts this whole story with Judah and Tamar in here ahead of Joseph to say, okay, yeah, Joseph is going to get the blessing, but Judah, Judah is the one you have to watch out for. He's the one with the kingly line. And when you look at uh, the end of Genesis, uh, chapter uh, 49 and 50, at the end of 49 going into 50, that's what you see, is that um, he, uh, Jacob gives Joseph the blessing, but then when he, uh, he's prophesying over all the kids, Judah is the one he says, then the, the staff, the scepter, is going to remain in the house of Judah. All right? So that's, this, that's the significance of this. But let's, let's get back down to family. Let's get back down to family. See, I believe um, you know, she, Tamar, really, she had family relations, family dynamics that did not compare to the family dynamics that we have. And I hope you can see that. She, I, I, can you imagine um, can, that you, you've been given to one brother who dies then the other brother who dies, and all of a sudden you're sent back to live with your parents. Right? Remember, um, at, at this time, you know, it, uh, she probably was, it, it, this wasn't she fell in love with, with her. Right? It was an arranged marriage in the first place. Hey, I'll give you so-and-so, for, how, how much for your daughter? Okay, great. Come on. And you, you, you're, you're with him. Right? That's probably how it worked out. Right? So she gets to go back to her parents, which is in a way shameful, okay? because her, her parents are now having to provide for her, which really should be her, her father-in-law's family in some way. So she's kind of in shame going back to her parents, but at the same time, think of it this way. She's back to her family. She's not with the family that she's had two kids die and they, she don't, they don't want her. Please leave. Get away from my kids. I don't want you wait. I don't want you near my kids anymore. Go back home. And any of us probably would say, thank you, I'll go back home. Right? Hello? But she was committed to righteousness. She was committed to the righteousness of seeing um, the, the, the seed come forth. To seeing the the line keep on going. She chose righteousness over comfort. She chose righteousness over comfort. I think that, even like I said, even though it was probably shameful to some degree for her to be back in her, her parents' home, it was probably difficult in some degree, to be back there and her knowing that um, she was having to live off of her parents, whereas that, that was not a good situation because when her parents died, she would be, um, she wouldn't have any income whatsoever. So, because the, the ladies were not allowed really to, to have much income and uh, come to themselves. So they had to live off of their dad and not then off of their husband. So in some ways it's a bit shameful, but I, my bet is she was probably much more comfortable at home than she was in Judah's family. But she 
She was committed more to righteousness than to comfort. She was committed more to righteousness than to comfort. You know, as we, um, as we compare our family dynamics, are you committed more to righteousness than you are to comfort? You know, we, um, we all have those, those family members or friends that we um, have a difficult time with. And sometimes it's a lot more comfortable to, to totally cut them off. I'm just not going to talk to them anymore. Or maybe that you uh, maybe you decide you're just going to tell them off instead, <laughs> right? Okay, let, let's 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 get let's get real, okay? I'm 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 going to be I want my comfort, so my comfort is I'm going to move across the country, right? Or I'm going to have I'm going to push them away and such that I'm going to be apart. I'm committed to my comfort more than righteousness. Now. Let me say this, having said that, there are some times that you need to be apart from family that is good. All right? There are some, some family situations where, you know, you have had such a wrong done to you that you need to be apart. And I'm not talking about those situations. Okay? Some of those things, they need to be cut off. And you need to be separate and you need to stay separate. But I, what I am addressing are those situations where, you know what? We're choosing to be comfortable rather than to be righteous. We're choosing to be at peace, uh, comfortable in our own situation rather than to do what should be done, which is probably to, to reconcile with the family member in some way. With, with Tamar, she was committed to righteousness over her comfort. Okay? She... She chose. She could have chosen just to stay in her family. She could have chosen. You know what? I'm gonna. I'm gonna be where I, I don't want to go back to Judah. And I think a lot of us would have done that. Like, are you kidding me? Uh, uh-uh, I'm not going back there. But she was committed to righteousness. She was committed to seeing the promise of God fulfilled. So she said, "I'm going. I'm going to." I'm going to take a step out and I'm going to go back to that situation to see the promise take place. Is God calling you out of your comfort zone? Maybe to reconcile with family? Or maybe it's even to share the gospel with family. It's a lot more comfortable a lot of times to not talk about things that could stir a pot when maybe you really need to share the gospel. It's a lot more comfortable for us to just make pleasantries rather than to deal with situations. But what is righteous? And I can't answer that for you. But with those family dynamics, what is, what is God calling you to do with your family that's righteous rather than comfortable? Now the next thing I believe that she uh, she chose righteousness over image. She chose righteousness over image. She was committed to getting back to the promise 
and getting the seed into the promise that she chose, she chose to put on a temple prostitute's outfit. Do you get it? Do you see it? She chose to be called, at least for a short time, that temple prostitute. She chose to be seen in the town as a temple prostitute. She, she dressed up. I mean, it's like... I go, you know, putting on a prostitute's clothes and walking down the street downtown here. You know? Like, are you willing to... I'm not saying to do that. I'm saying but that. Think about it, right? That's what she did, because she was committed to righteousness. It wasn't about her image. It was about I'm going to get the righteous thing done. And boy, can image get in our way. Mm-hmm. But it may look bad if I do X, Y, and Z. If, you know, if I bring up the gospel to my family members or to my friends, they're going to call me that Bible thumper. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I stand up for what's right and I draw a line in the sand, they're going to look at me and call me a hypocrite because they know all my skeletons in the closet. It's a lot better off if I just maintain my image rather than putting on a different image for the sake of righteousness. But Tamar, she was committed to the righteousness over her own image. Are we committed to righteousness over our own image? Are we willing to let our image in in, in the right way get tarnished for the sake of the gospel? for the sake of what's right. Not saying tarnish your image as in become sin. Okay? What I am saying is it may look to some people like we are doing the wrong thing or might be able to have fingers pointed at us, but are we getting the gospel accomplished, the promise accomplished? Especially when we come to our own families, it's really, really difficult because, like I said, they know all about us. Are we willing to speak the truth even if it means our image? What we think of ourselves, what they may think of us to be tarnished? We need to choose righteousness over our own looks, our own image. You know, the, and finally, you know, she she chose righteousness over peace. Very similarly to kind of some of the things I was saying, she it, it lot, it's a lot of times easier to just keep the peace, to not address things that are there, to not address maybe it's maybe it's sin, maybe it's a hurt, maybe it's something that happened in the past, maybe it's something that. Is um, uh, uh, you know either keeping the relationship apart or keeping you from going deeper. 
it's a lot easier to just choose peace. Now, peace can be a good thing, okay? But when it's standing in the way of righteousness, it's not. And what she did, she got pregnant. She has Judah's cord and his, his seal and, you know, his staff. And she addresses it with him. Hey, I am pregnant, and it's by the owner of these right here. What are you going to do about it? Now, he could have said, what staff? What seal? Burn her anyway, right? He could have, but he didn't. Because she addressed the situation. And she, she brought it, she brought the, where the rubber meets the road. Here it is. And what did he say? She's more righteous than I am. She addressed the sin. She addressed the sin. She, she didn't just keep the peace. She addressed the sin. And he said, You're right. She's more righteous than I am. He brings her back into the household. Now, it does say, he, did, he, he, he recognized that she was righteous and he did not, um, he didn't sleep with her after that. He, he kept her, but he also provided for her. Right? So she chose righteousness over just keeping the peace. She addressed the sin issue. And she was rewarded for it. So as we are dealing with family dynamics over this holiday season, because it is the holidays are always a great time to deal with those family dynamics. Think of Tamar, who's choosing righteousness, landed her in the line of the Messiah. She did hard stuff. Mm-hmm. And she choosing the, the righteousness over um, over the, the keeping the peace, over her self-image, choosing her the righteousness over her own comfort. That's tough. And it's gonna be tough for you. It's gonna be tough for me. Right? But if we're going to see the promise of the gospel go forth, we're going to see the promise fulfilled, which is exactly what happened with the birth of Jesus, it's going to take us being like tomorrow and choosing righteousness over all those other things. So let's, uh, let's, let's pray together. I'm going to, just, I'm going to pray for you and um, I'm going to pray for these family dynamics, okay? And um, I'm going to ask you. To, I'm just going to ask if if you need prayer, just show the Lord in some way that that you're going to receive this prayer. Okay, Lord, I I, um, I ask that that every person in here, if there, if for for everyone in here who has those family relations, that they just when I was talking this morning, that person or that family or that group of people, those came to mind. 
and said, I, I've got to take care of this situation. Lord, I, I pray that, that for, for all those in here, I guess that that's you, would you just make a motion to the Lord, whatever that looks like, if you just need to put your hand over your heart, raise your hand, if they're just, nod your head, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but would you just make a motion to the Lord that you're receiving this prayer? Lord, I pray for each person in here who said, yes, that's me. I, I need that. I, I, I need to be that light. I need to, um, I need to take those steps that are uh, hard. They're difficult. They're beyond my comfort zone, but I, I, I know I've got to do it. Lord, I pray for each of those, those, per, those people in here. And I pray that you'll give them the courage to take the right steps. Lord, the faith to believe that they are, are not just taking the steps out of their own will or out of their own um, ability, but the faith to believe it's you saying, yes, I, I want you to go ahead and, and step out on the water. I'll meet you there. Lord, I pray for each of those uh, people in here who said, that's me. Lord, I pray that you will um, let righteousness prevail, not in, not only in uh, handling the situation, but Lord, where where a uh, a relationship needs to be healed, I pray that you'll bring healing there. Lord, where a relationship needs to go deeper, I pray that you'll bring that. Lord, where sin is uh, needing to be forgiven, Lord, I I pray that you will bring forgiveness, bring wholeness and, and uh, restoration. Lord, for, um, for those who, who need to forgive a loved one in their heart, Lord, I pray that you'll help them to forgive and to let that go, even right now. To release that person. Lord, more than anything, I pray that, you, that everyone in here, that when these difficult situations come, come about, whether it's with, with family or friends or things at work or, or, or whatever it might be, Lord, let us choose righteousness and choose your kingdom over all. Let us truly act as your word says, that we, um, that we will seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And all these other things will be added to us Let's seek you first, Lord. Lord, I bless each person here in the name of the Lord. That's that you go before them, that you be their rear guard, or that you provide for them, protect them, bring them healing, bring them hope, especially as we celebrate your, um, your birth this time of year. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, it's good to see everybody. Um, if uh,